warning. What follows is a story of monsters, madness, and mayhem. I'm Nick. And I'm Zach. Welcome to Weird and Feared, a barely educational podcast about global folklore that aims to enlighten, entertain, and expand your world. Picture this. Okay. You are a, okay. You are a lone pedestrian returning from a pub in early 19th century London when a pale okay. creature lurches out from behind the corner of the building you approach. The street lantern lighting your way flickers with your heart rate as he jumps out and terrifies you. You are startled and stumble backwards, and every recent story you've heard your mates tell you floods your brain while feelings of apprehension and terror wash over your entire body. This is what they've been talking about! Right? Right, yeah. The creature, or ghost as they called it, and now, and, and you've now agreed it could very well have been a ghost, vanishes from your sight. The next day, like your friends had done for you, you share your encounter with anyone willing to listen, adding another brick to the foundation of London's ever-growing ghost subculture. Alright, remember remember when where we were at before we had our epic battle royale between monsters, manis, and mayhem? Alright. As we Mm -hmm. uh, as we discussed in our previous episode on the Hammersmith Ghost. It's all fun and games playing Supernatural Spectre until someone gets murdered. As, yeah. as, as was the case... He got shot in the face. He got blown away. He got shotgunned into oblivion. Right. Yep. It's a poor man. Coming home from, from laying his bricks. Yep. His wife told him not to dress like that I anymore. I mean, she tried real hard, man. She yep. tried real hard. So from that story we learned, again, it's all fun and games playing Supernatural Spectre until someone gets murdered, as was the case for Customs Officer Francis Smith when he unloaded his shotgun into the unsuspecting face of bricklayer Thomas Millwood. You know, Francis assumed Thomas mm-hmm. was a ghost because of all his all-white, apron-clad bricklayer garb. And you've already mentioned the lesson of that story. Listen yep. to your wife when she tells you to stop dressing like a ghost while ghost hunters roam the streets. With shotguns. With yeah. shotguns, right. Or blunderbusses, I think is what it said in the article oh, you read me I last. Did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> blunderbusses. Why can't... Yeah. Can we just bring that term back and do more common usage? Blunderbuss? Yeah, I'm for it. All right, I'm for it too. Now, but what is crazy about that story, again, you will remember it, but for those who don't, is that there was an actual man dressing up like a ghost spooking people. He sought to scare his apprentices for feeding ghost stories to his children. Again, dressing like a ghost is all fun and games until someone gets murdered. Right. Now, but despite the Hammersmith ghost being 100% Scooby-Doo nonsense, people kept seeing ghosts. Other ghosts. 
the Hammersmith ghost is just one of these notable entities. Do you want to uh, do you want to hear about some of these notable entities? You know I do. I know Just bring do. it on. I know you do. In 1811, there was a wave of scares in Kensington, a village just outside London. Eventually, a party of ghost hunters captured this phantom, and according to Jacob Middleton, an aristocratic specter, history today, February 2011, the undead soul came from a good family, and instead of handing him over to the authorities, they chucked him in the closest repository they could find, sending him splashing into a horse trough. So... Another man dressing like a ghost running around scaring people. And they caught him and taught him a lesson. Without the shotgun. With they, they didn't kill him. They didn't kill this man. They just captured him. Right. And then, like again, once they like a dog catching a car, they didn't know quite what to do with him. So they just whipped him into a horse trough because it was right there, and that was probably a good solution for the time. It's convenient. It yeah. Nice little yeah. quick lesson learned, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Now, another is the Southampton ghost. He reveled in flaunting his adrenaline-flooring antics in Hampshire and was said to set out, quote, frightening any individuals he can find alone, end quote. The Hampshire Telegraph said, some say that he is 10 feet high and can jump half over a house. All agree that he is a perfect living skeleton. Hmm. Now, do you know of any bands called the Perfect Living Skeleton? I'm just saying. Uh, no, I don't. But... I mean, aren't we all just perfect living skeletons? Isn't that the truth? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess yeah. yeah, that's true. I guess unless you're... Well, maybe not perfect, but we're all living skeletons of some capacity, I guess. Right. Now, I'm just I'm just saying the acronym for that band would be APLS, or APPLES. I'm just saying. Anyways, I mean, sorry, I got... Yeah, that could be a good horror punk band. I got distracted. Well, yeah, because a perfect living skeleton, but everybody just calls them APPLES? I mean, come on, man. There's a lot of... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> There's a, there's a lot mixed in there. Again, yeah. I do apologize, but I got distracted. Yeah, it happens. It, it really does. All right, but now this Southampton ghost, our perfect living skeleton, was a little more unusual than the previous ghostings. Unlike the others, our guy had the curious ability to leap, to jump ridiculous heights as if he were wearing, quote, spring boots. In 1826, our skeleton man was super morrowing all over the towns of Hampshire. So annoyed by his antics was a mob, excuse me, um, a a group of, let's just assume, professional ghost hunters, you know, emphasis on the professional Mm -hmm. part, definitely definitely not a mob of any kind, definitely not. Um, They cornered an army officer and dragged him to a jail because they thought he was the culprit. Okay. They're just like, here he is, here's our ghost. And they're like, What? Like, there's a cop. This like, is just a guy. What? <laughs> He's the ghost. We caught the ghost. I can just imagine the cop's like, man, just get in here. Like, man, I can smell the booze coming <laughs> off you from here. Yeah. And the guy they captured was totally sober. So the cop's like, sure, guys, I'll take him. He lets him in the jail. They just have, like, a drink together as the mob leaves. It's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. All right, I think you can go now. This is insane. Now... These are plenty of examples of the fact that the streets of England were truly being overrun with ghosts. And while some, most, appeared as human beings, one wearing knight's armor, again, as per our Hammersmith episode, real Scooby-Doo shit, some of, I mean, some took on the visages of different beings altogether. During the 1830s, people reported seeing a white bull that tried to ravage a woman. 
Wow. Yep. A bull? It was a bull, yeah, a white bull. Yeah. In the streets huh. of London. Yep. Again, normal stuff. All these things. Just a are, day in London. Just a day in London, yep. Another, or possibly the same spirit, I mean, how can we really know, took the shape of a bear. In London. In London, yep. Yep. England was getting wild. Now, a carpenter was jumped by our entity, covered in armor, and as the working man defended himself, a pair of ghosts joined the foray. They left the carpenter in a nasty state, and his clothes were torn about. I mean, this man just sounds like he got mugged, to be honest with you. Yeah. But by, by yeah. someone... But maybe it was by like a, like a tiny little girl or something, and he didn't want to fess up to it. So he's like, <laughs> yeah. it was a bear. It was, it was a bear. And then I got jumped with this man. He was covered in armor, and then two ghosts came out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, you got stuck up by some kids, didn't you? I think, I think, yeah. And they're like, "There's, there's going to be a lot of people smelling booze in these stories." I, I guarantee you. <laughs> uh-huh. Are you all right? Yeah. It just reminds me of the, uh, just because I watched it recently, one of the, uh, um, the Simpsons House of Horror episodes, when Homer's abducted by the aliens and they douse him with rum, and they just throw him back in the oven. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Are you going to kill me? Uh-huh. No, you just get covered in rum. No one's going to believe you. It's, <laughs> I've been thinking about it. It's effective. It is. I mean, it really is. <laughs> All right. So anyways, um, that was one ghost story. Another, some people saw a bear covered in chain mail. Others, a devil wielding claws. Oh, that is cool. Think about it. Let it sit. It's pretty good. Yeah. Others, a devil wielding claws made of iron, of which he uses to attack whoever he wanted. But he appeared to have a special affinity. To young women. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. One ghost was covered in a white sheet and had the particularly noteworthy ability of unleashing blue flames on anyone who opposed him. Well, that's cool. Uh, yeah. That could be a Scooby-Doo villain right there. Absolutely. I mean, picture it. Man a sheet. <laughs> blue flames. Yeah. Yep. Some kind of parlor tricks. I mean, if it's Scooby-Doo, mirrors are probably involved. But, I mean, you never, you know, streets of London, there's gases and things you can, I mean, come on, you can make flames in 1830s, in the 1830s. It's very possible. A flame projectile oh, yeah. type thing. Gas or whatever. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, I'd say go for it. Yeah. Well, stories like these continued from the end of 1837 to January of 1838. And this is when the Lord Mayor of London, Sir John Cohen received this anonymous complaint signed resident of Peckham quote it appears that some individuals of as the writer believes the highest ranks of life have laid a wager with a mischievous and foolhardy companion that he durst not take upon himself the task of visiting many of the villages near London in three different disguises a ghost a bear and a devil and moreover, that he will not enter a gentleman's gardens for the purpose of alarming the inmates of the house. The wager has, however, been accepted, and the unmanly villain has succeeded in depriving seven ladies of their senses, two of whom are not likely to recover, but to become burdens to their families. So that's... They're driving these women allegedly insane, so then they're going to just cease functioning as human beings. 
because that was a thing that happened mm-hmm. to women all the time back then, allegedly. Right. I mean, I don't know how I would react if a, a bear covered in chainmail attacked me, and then I told my friends and no one believed me. I think I might lose my mind too, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. I mean, no, it was a bear covered in armor. Yeah. Yeah, this was an armored bear. Huh. No, it wasn't. You were... What were you drinking? I wasn't drinking anything. I saw a bear covered in chainmail. Get out of here. Now you're a burden to your family. Like, ah, oh, man. <laughs> Jesus. Dang. That sucks. At one house... Okay, it's, this is still from the same report. I paused. I thought it was a different one. But so he's still reading the the anonymous report. At one house, the man okay. rang the bell, and on the servant coming to open the door, this worse-than-brute stood no less dreadful figure than a specter clad most perfectly. The consequence was that the poor girl immediately swooned and has never from that moment been in her senses. The affair has now been going on for some time, and strange to say, the papers are still silent on the subject. Oh, that's more the lamestream media. Sorry, different thing to talk about. Ignore that. The writer has reason to believe <laughs> that they have the whole history at their finger ends, but through interested motives are induced to remain silent. So I ask you, what the hell is going on? I don't know. Does anybody know? No one knows. Anonymous reports being made to the mayor, and he's like, I was told this, so this is what I was told. And then all these reports of ghosts... <laughs> He's like, I'm just relaying the message. Yep. Um, there's people harassing everyone. What is going on? Well, what do you think happens when lots of people are I concerned? Know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going to sound very proper and perhaps very British because, as opposed to forming, well, I mean, you know, they, a group of concerned citizens raised money and formed a committee. I just like that. I'm like, okay, we got to figure this out. Let's oh. form a committee. That's not where I thought it was going. No. To find out who or what this ghost was. Well, somehow, again, going off of the report from the mayor, the anonymous report, uh, uh, somehow they fell into the impression, which again is from that report, that a group of noblemen had placed wagers with each other to terrorize the town. They thought it was a bunch of rich kid bros who were challenging each other to see who could scare the locals the most. But they had no proof. Perhaps people were being startled by burglars dressed in weird clothes. I mean, just who knows? You don't know. I mean, what right. pranksters, criminals, yeah. crooks. Uh, from Wikipedia, mm-hmm. the Lord Mayor himself was in two minds about the affair. He thought, quote, the greatest exaggerations, end quote, had been made, and that it was quite impossible, quote, that the ghost performs the feats of a devil upon the earth. But on the other hand, someone he trusted had told him of a servant girl at Forest Hill who had been scared into fits by a figure in a bear's skin. He was confident the person or persons involved in this pantomime display would be caught and punished. The police were instructed to search for the individual responsible, and rewards were offered. Now, these were, of course, the most rational, logical explanations for these intrusions, into Londoners' quiet and pleasantly mundane lives. Now, these make sense. These are earthly things. It's a guy dressed up. It's a bunch of kids fucking around. They're just kind of yeah, terrorizing the town. Right. Rich kids. Got a lot of money. Paying paying money for expensive ghost costumes. Dressing like bears and shit. I can only imagine someone's homemade bear costume in 1830. You know how horrifying that would have looked to anyone? Yeah. I mean, it was probably just a dead bear. That's true. 
thrown over their body. Right, that's true. <laughs> yeah. It might look more... That's or true. bear skin. I was imagining someone trying to... Yeah. Well, yeah. Imagine... How good would taxidermy in 18th? I'm just thinking, like, oh, my God. I mean, taxidermy is... They were probably fine. Probably fine. Probably fine. Okay. Well, many believe no man or group of troublemakers were behind these assaults. London's ghost subculture had begun to piece all of these stories together and settle on attributing them to one entity. A fire-breathing, often armor-clad and iron-clawed, demonic fiend, capable of jumping to inhuman heights with a penchant for young women or anyone deemed worthy of his harassment. This creature became known as Spring-Heeled Jack. Hell yeah. All right. Yeah? Okay. Oh yeah. Here we go. One of Jack's most notorious exploits was printed in the February 22nd, 1838 issue of the Times, but other London papers had been filling up with several retellings of Jack's brutality and different versions. This particular account features the anecdote of Jane Alsip from the Times, and I'm going to read this little excerpt here. Quote, At a quarter to nine o'clock, she heard a violent ringing at the gate at the front of the house, and an ongoing... And on going to the door to see what was the matter, she saw a man standing outside, of whom she inquired what was the matter, and requested he would not ring so loud. The person instantly replied that he was a policeman, and said, For God's sake, bring me a light, for we have caught spring Jack here in the lane. She returned, I mean, everybody knows what Jack is, so like, oh, Jack's out, what the hell? She, mm-hmm. she returned into the house and brought a candle and handed it to the person who appeared enveloped in a long cloak and whom she at first really believed to be a policeman. The instant she had done so, however, he threw off his outer garment and applying the lighted candle to his breast presented a most hideous and frightful appearance and vomited forth a quantity of blue and white flames from his mouth and his eyes resembled Whoa. red balls of fire. Whoa. All right. <laughs> yeah, right? That's intense. Yep. That's a shouldn't have opened that door. Nope, that was just left it closed. Yep, just can talk to the door. Never mind. Just yep. But also, he began this interaction by impersonating a policeman. Hmm. Essentially, yeah, because he said he was a policeman. So she's like, "Oh, what's up?" So right. maybe yeah. don't, maybe have him shine the badge to the window or the peephole or whatever you got before you know. Before you do anything, but if you, I mean, if you, not to hype anything up, but if you thought that was intense, um, from the hasty glance, which her fright enabled her to get of his person, she observed that he wore a large helmet, and his dress, which appeared to fit him very tight, seemed to her to resemble white oil skin. Without uttering a sentence, he darted at her, and catching her partly by her dress and the back part of her neck, placed her head under one of his arms, and commenced tearing her gown with his claws, which she was certain were some of the metallic substance. Of some metallic substance. Hmm. Yep. She's having a bad night. This is not great. She screamed out as loud as she could for assistance, and by considerable exertion, uh, exertion got away from him, and ran towards the house to get in. Her assailant, however, followed her and caught her on the steps leading to the half-door when he again used considerable violence, tore her neck and arms with his claws, as well as a quantity of her hair from her head. But she was at length rescued from his grasp by one of her sisters. That's not good. Hmm. That's not good. No, that's not good at all. No. Barely getting out of there. Uh Uh-huh. 
Miss Alsop added that she had suffered considerably all night from the shock she had sustained and was then in extreme pain, both from the injury done to her arm and the wounds and scratches inflicted by the miscreant about her shoulders and neck with his claws or hands. Hmm. End quote. So, how do you feel about that? I feel better about it than... Uh... Mrs. Alsip, is that yes. what you said her yes, name Jane was? Yes. <laughs> then she did. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. It's safe to say. It's a scary experience right there. It's not real good. It paints quite a picture. Quite a bad mm-hmm. quite a bad picture. A lot going yeah, bad on. Time. Very distinctive look oh, too yeah. attached to our uh, our guy, attached to Jack. Very uh it's a lot going on there. Um Oh yeah. And her uh well her sisters corroborated her story, naturally. Yeah, I saved her from this fucking maniac, whatever this is. Yeah, he was shooting blue flames, red eyes, bad time. Yeah, he, I I watched him basically put my sister in a headlock and start ripping apart her dress and her hair. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah, not... Don't want none of that. Not good. Yeah, her sisters corroborated her story. Jack had struck again. Now, Jane's father believed more than one man participated in the attack. As, or that the, he, it was perpetrated by a man who was not alone. As Jack threw off his cloak and never returned for it. You know, there must have been, but it was not there. You know, it, it eventually was picked up. They couldn't find it. There must have been someone else around mm-hmm. to grab it for him. Because, you know, Jack ran off into the distance. Now, two men, a bricklayer named, uh, well, his last name was Payne, and a carpenter named Thomas Milbank became suspects. Turns out quite a few people had interacted with those two uh, that night. Uh, Milbank had been spotted wearing a white fustian, fushin? How do you say that? F-U-S-T-I-N? Yeah. Shooting jacket. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It was one of those ones that I meant to look up because that was a new word I had not, uh, had not experienced in my previous livings. Um, the police believed this to be the white oilskin article Jane said Jack wore. Now, a coach wheelwright said he was carrying his wheel home when they harassed him, um, Payne and Milbank, knocking it off his shoulder, with Thomas Milbank saying, quote, What have you to say to Spring Jack? Now, clearly he's, uh... <laughs> hmm. All right, Thomas, what are we doing? Now... Yeah, he's, uh... He's, how's his gait? Yeah, he's Is quite... he, uh, stumbling a little bit, or...? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. It's a great question. Now, uh... Yeah. A um a shoemaker ran across a young boy and a man in a cloak who were being obnoxious and quote in rather a joking or laughing manner said quote something about Spring Hill Jack being in the lane. So there's these two fucking guys who are just running around talking either saying they're Spring Hill Jack, talking about Spring Hill Jack, and like many people are interacting with them and hearing about them talking about Spring Hill Jack. Mm-hmm. And of course everything and this isn't like um about these instances, because these guys, you know, were witnesses and recounted these things. Evidently, like Jane saying it was Springheel Jack, or that you know the guy who attacked her was talking about Springheel Jack. Um, that wasn't like totally public knowledge. So the fact that these guys said these guys were talking about Springheel Jack seemed quite incriminating. That these two individuals were involved in this attack on Jane, because that's all they they, mm-hmm. they evidently couldn't fucking shut up about Springheel Jack and just kept going right. on and on about it. Maybe a bad night to be talking about it. Probably, yeah. So in his defense, uh, Thomas Milbank said he was too drunk to remember anything he did that night, which maybe 
<laughs> See, I, was, I wasn't too no, far no, off you there. Were, no, you were reading it well. Yeah. But Jane believed her assailant to have been sober. And many people believe Jane's attack was by some random, random drunkard with no connection to the other ghostly tales being spread across the town. So some people were just like, it's just some drunk maniac who attacked you. Like, we, he's not Spring-Heeled Jack. And he just happened to shoot fire out his mouth and have metal claws. And It's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, hmm. Jane also stuck to her story about the fire breathing. The fact that a man was shooting blue and white flames out of his mouth. Which Thomas Milbank stated, probably, you know, pretty frankly, pretty matter-of-factly, that that was clearly mm-hmm. something uh, that he could not do. He was not capable of breathing fire. And because of that fact, he avoided any conviction. They're like, ah, you're right. You can't do that. So you're free. Well, hold on. (laughs) I have a theory about that. That's what they, I mean, I'm just saying you can theorize, but that's what they decided. They were just like, all right, you're not capable of doing that. Never mind. I mean, what was, what was he drinking through the night? You know, if he had some like high test stuff, he could, you know, have a little match or torch lit and your lamp and just spew out some uh, alcohol. Absolutely. No, you could absolutely yeah. do that. I just like the fact that, because, yeah, I was thinking this too. There's many ways to recreate, like, your, I mean, you can just be, a, you could even, if you're that talented, be a fire blower. You know what I mean? Like, you can, you can right. do all these yeah. things. But, Milbank stuck to his gun saying he couldn't do that. The, uh, the people he was in front of, the courts or whatever, were like, you know what? You're right. I guess you can't. I guess you can't be this man. Yeah. And they just let him go. And that was the end of that. Yeah, well. Uh, now, allegedly, Spring-Heeled Jack attacked a servant boy five days later by whipping off his cloak and presenting a most hideous appearance. Now, I don't like the idea of him just, like, ripping off his... Like, he's, like, streaking in front of the servant boy. Yeah. <laughs> not a fan. Not a fan. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. And, uh... But, yeah, he just presented his most hideous appearance, and that was kind of the end of it. He ran away. All right. Now. I mean, that sounds like a... Yeah, a streaker. Right, exactly. Ah! Oh my god! The end. Yeah, or a flasher, you know? <laughs> like. Right, exactly. Ha Yes, flasher. And then it runs away. That's right. <laughs> exactly. A hundred percent. All right, so nine days after the Jane Alsop incident, this occurred. It's a screen cap. Bear with me. Gotta get it. Okay. You know, it's... Fashion is a thick, durable, twilled cloth and short nap. What was it? Sorry, I was looking at my phone. What was it? A thick, durable, twilled cloth. Oh, shit. That sounds real warm. All right. Yeah. That's something. That's that's real thick, then. All right. Yeah. All right, so this from the uh, annual register, not chronicling. Oh, that's not... Hold on. And then this report from the annual register. Another incident. The ghost, alias Springheeled Jack, again. At Lambeth Street office, Mr. Scales, a respectable butcher residing in Narrow Street Limehouse, accompanied by his sister, a young woman, 18 years of age, made the following statement relative to the further gambles of Springheeled Jack. Miss Scales stated that on the evening of Wednesday last at about half past eight o'clock, as she and her sister were returning from the house of their butcher brother, their brother, I thought I'd said butcher, but it says brother, but he's a brother butcher, so it's fine, you know who he is. 
And while passing along Green Dragon Alley, they observed some person standing at an angle in the passage. She was in advance of her sister at the time, and just as she came up to the person who was enveloped in a large cloak, he spurted a quantity of blue flame right in her face, which deprived her of her sight. Yeah, right? That's not great. And so, no. and so alarmed her that she instantly dropped to the ground and was seized with violent fits, which continued for several hours. I mean, yeah, her face just got burned, and you're blinded. Yeah, that's not yeah, fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd probably drop into fits, too. Yeah, I would qualify me being hit by blue and white flames in the face at night, not expecting it, walking home with my relative to get a night's sleep, probably real tired. I'm sure I would describe that as falling into fits. I, that would qualify as having a fit. Yep. Now, Mr. Scales said that on the evening in question, and a few minutes after his sisters had left the house, he heard the loud screams of one of them. So they were still within, you know, distance of his home. And upon running up, Dragon Green, Green Dragon Alley, he found his sister, Lucy, who had just given her statement on the ground in a fit, and his other sister, endeavoring to hold and support her. She was removed home, and he then learned from his other sister what had happened. She described the person to be of tall, thin, and gentlemanly appearance, enveloped in a large cloak, and carried in front of his person a small lamp, or bullseye, similar to those in the possession of the police. The individual did not utter Mm -hmm. a word, nor did he attempt to lay hands on them, but walked away in an instant. Every effort was subsequently made by the police to discover the author of these and similar outages, and several persons were taken up and underwent lengthened examinations, but were finally set at liberty, nothing being elicited to fix the offense upon them. After this time, however, the attacks appear to have been discontinued. Hmm. So he strikes again. Yes, he strikes again, and then after that he evidently has a little, you know, has a little bit of a pause after that. Seems to go seems to go dormant. Okay. But yeah, Miss uh, Miss Scales was not was not having a good night. No. She got a little case of the fire face. Yeah, it's not a thing you want to happen. No, I would recommend heavily going, trying to avoid the uh, fire face situations in your life. Mm-hmm. Now. Springhill Jack, at this point, had taken London by storm. This was his city, and he was going to do as he pleased. Reports of cloaked gentlemanly men brandishing clubs and randomly slapping women began being attributed to Jack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. well, this, you know. What was that? Springhill Jack. Springhill Jack. Strikes again. Don't worry about he it. He leaps over a fence. He's gone now. He hops over a fence, slaps somebody in the face, and just hops away. What the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah. England's capital was under siege. Many named men were arrested for harassing people while wearing masks and basically acting out their own wild Springhill Jack fantasies. That's right. The more the story spreads, the more people want to try and, you know, contribute. Sure, yeah, I guess. Why why not? Sure, Uh uh-huh. Yeah. One man even wore a mask with blue-glazed paper adhered to its mouth to simulate Jack's blue breath. Going all in. Okay. Going all in. All right. Jack had inspired a slew of weirdos and psychos whom his existence as a cover, who used his existence as a cover for their own dastardly desires. 
Reports where police had no suspects would almost by default be attributed to Jack. Whether mortal men of the Spring-Heeled Phantom... Whether mortal men or the Spring-Heeled Phantom himself, a hysteria had taken root in London's after hours. Now, not only did he inspire criminals, but he inspired artists and writers. He became a favorite subject for Penny Dreadfuls and numerous plays. And in some plays where they would, like, um, have the devil as a character, they would just switch him out for Spring-Heeled Jack and just use him instead, just because he was, you know, popular character, people, you know. More relevant. Exactly, yep, kind of going with the times, absolutely. Now, like with any story, it fades with time. Or like with any supernatural terrorizer, sometimes you need a break. Throughout the night, throughout the 1840s, reports of Jack slowly, then suddenly, became more and more infrequent. Until he was no more. That is, until the 1870s, because the classics never die. And during this decade, Jack had a huge resurgence. Nice. Bringing it back. Bringing it back, absolutely, yep. Stories of a Peckham ghost would eventually be brought under the Spring-Heeled Jack Pantheon. Probably by older reporters, nostalgic for the craze of the late 1830s. So it's been about 30 years. I was comparing this to how, like, you know, we'd watch, like, a Stranger Things. Like, oh, we don't you remember the 80s? It's all in, you know, oh, yeah. cool monster yeah. stories and stuff. And, like, don't you remember the, the 1830s? It's 1870. Yeah, Spring-Heeled Jack. Yeah, I remember him. That was a good time. Everybody's freaking out. There's ghosts yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's back. Maybe he is back. Jack is back. I'm trying to think of like 1830s London, just trying to like walk to like your friend's house or go to the pub. It does sound the way it's described. And of course, I'm just focusing on the ghost stories here. It sounds terrifying. Like every around every <laughs> corner, there's a ghost waiting to just jump out and go, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was probably darker. It was probably. Yeah, it's true. Right. Less mm-hmm. light pollution. Yeah. But as of course, as a guy, I'm just... Worried about a guy jumping out saying boo. But meanwhile, there's men with iron claws trying to rip a woman, woman's clothing to shreds and just, t- get, you know what I mean? Like, this is not, <laughs> yeah. hmm. or pu- putting her in a headlock and ripping out her hair. Jesus Christ, Jack. Yeah. What are we... Yeah, calm down. Yeah, slow it, slow it down. Maybe, maybe introduce yourself to the girl, not as a policeman. Yeah. Like, My name is Jack. I have spring heels. Would you like mm-hmm. to go for a walk with me? And then she'll say, no, you're Spring-Heeled Jack, and slam the door in your face. Move on. You're not going to get that one. Yeah. You try. Yeah. Move on. Yeah, just move it on. No, you're rolling, Jack. Now, from the Camberwell and Peckham Times, October 19th, 1872. He appeared on October 14th, 1872, to Sarah Ann Foster, a girl living opposite the Crystal Palace Tavern, and sharing at Mr. Smith's in Lordship Lane. It appears that she had been to fetch the supper beer. I like fetching the supper beer. How about you? Yeah, why not? Yeah, go for it. And on her return, she was required to go on another errand. When she was when she complained to her mistress that there was a tall man waiting in the road. First red flag. That can't. Yeah, that can't be good. No, Mrs. Smith remonstrated with her on the folly of being frightened, and Mr. Smith said he would watch her from the window. Tough guy. I, I'm, go ahead. You're fine. I can see you. Yeah. As opposed to like walking out at least and, you know. I feel like that would be the equivalent of like somebody just sitting in their lazy boy and watching TV now. 
yeah, I'll watch you from the window. It'll be fine. And they just never get up. Yeah. Like. I got you. They don't even turn away. They don't even like, no, go. I'm watching you. They don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. But then they're like, you better come back with my supper beer. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you get my supper beer? There was a tall man on the road. I told you. Didn't you watch? Oh, yeah. Oh, I did. Yeah, you're right. Of course. Yeah. Now, she started on her errand, but had not left the front garden when a figure in white rose from behind the fence. She screamed loudly and rushed towards the doorway and was clasped in the arms of her master. He, having seen the apparition from the window, huh, he was watching. What a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, see? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And in rushing out, caught his foot in something which threw him forward. And instead of catching the ghost, he caught the girl in his arms, who, thinking it was the unearthly spirit that had got a hold of her, went into a fit in which she remained two hours and is now seriously ill. They really they huh. really describe how women react to like being almost attacked very aggressively, very demeaning. She was almost attacked by a stranger, and now she's really sick and hasn't gotten over it yet. <laughs> I was like, Jesus huh. oh, what a, It's like, come on, guys. I mean, now, the description given by Mr. Smith and the girl is as follows. About six foot high, dressed in long overcoat, having white lining, which when thrown open, aided by a white waistcoat and outstretched arms, give the desired effect. A dark felt hat and a plume of black feathers with which he hides his ignominious features. Now, for one, ignoring the fact that um, he struck fear into that girl that night and he sounds like a very horrible man, he does sound incredibly badass looking by that description. Yeah, he sounds like he's dressed pretty dapper. He looks fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, reading all these stories about a, like a dark overcoat with like white liner is like, man, that would be a cool jacket. I would like. Yeah. And then he, just fling it open. And then he's dressed all in white. So when he flings it open, it looks like he's like a ghost, like stretching his like like fanning out. Man, that's a good mm-hmm. look, guys. That's a good look. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm a, kind of a fan, kind of a huge fan of that look. Not a fan of all the attacking and clawing and jumping and grabbing, but, you know, the, the look, the, the, the silhouette. Yeah. You know, now, for one, oh, no, I said it already, ignore that. Now, but here we are. Jack had evolved, and he was here to play. Now, many a ghost appeared similar to this. I'm not going to really get into it. There's still ghosts, like, all around London, I evidently. I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. Just hanging Random out. stories of ghosts or people being spooked or scared. I mean, just but what a bunch of pranksters. It's a whole town. It's like being punked by ghosts. A whole town. Yeah. A big town. I gotcha. Yeah, oh, boo. Oh, oh, I'm scared. I'm having fits. Yeah, you are, bitch. And then he runs away. Like, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Now, many a ghost appeared like this. It's almost as if people couldn't handle white clothing. And anybody wearing it was at risk of being a ghost. I mean, the fact that all these bricklayers and stuff. Because even the two guys that were, you know, fucking around earlier were like, uh, you know, carpenter, bricklayer. So they're probably, you know, dressed in white also. Mm-hmm. It's just how it goes. Tools of the trade. Yeah. Walking around looking like a ghost after hours. Well, yeah. Well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? After Hour Ghosts. There's a title for something. I don't know what for, but just like it. Ghosts After Hours. What? Sounds like a show you'd see on, like, uh, Discover America or whatever. <laughs> like, those kind of channels. Yes. 
And it's like no different than just a normal ghost show. It's just called Ghost After Hours. Doesn't it's just yeah. this is what it's called. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, now there is another story of perhaps um, an unreliable musician who claims to have been chased by a seven foot tall apparition dressed in white with its quote face ablaze. One other story claims a similar looking being leapt a six foot fence, which is perhaps the greatest link connecting the Peckham ghost to Spring Heel Jack. I mean, again, there's just a bunch of ghosts running around, but this, you know, makes this seem mm-hmm. like it's more Jack like. Right. A man was eventually charged with being the Peckham ghost because he had a black coat with a white liner and at one point and he like he jumped out and like booed at a child. <laughs> Okay. I hope it was worth it, man. Even after at this point, there's got to be I there's got to be laws in the books for like a specific punishment for being a ghost, since so many people are being ghosts. Mm. Yeah, it's like come on, guys, just get it together. Yeah, stop, here. come on. I know there's nothing. There's not a lot to do right now, and you got a lot of free time. Please stop being ghosts. <laughs> just please stop. No. Please stop. Please stop being a ghost. Now, even after his captured. Uh, even after his capture, ghost sightings continued. Sometimes they were covered in sheets, sometimes cloaks. Again, I can't believe people just kept seeing, or thinking they saw, or dressing up as ghosts. Yeah. What a fun tradition, evidently. Yeah, it seems fun. It does sound fun. Again, it's all fun and games until you get shot in the face. Right. And then, yeah, then it's no longer fun. No. So, yeah, many more stories like this cropped up again as well from all over England. But at some point, your average Londoner became a bore for Jack. He needed to further his evolution by expanding his targets into harder prey. In March of 1877, he began stalking a British army base at Aldershot. And now from... Sheldrake's Aldershot and Sandhurst Military Gazette. Quote, Someone or other appears to have made up his mind to play some rather questionable pranks with the sentries at this camp while on night duty. About a week ago, it appears, we do not vouch for the correctness of the story. A sentry was on duty at the north camp, and about midnight, someone came towards him, who refused to answer to the usual challenge of who comes there. And after dodging about the sentry box in a fantastic fashion for some little time, made off with astonishing swiftness. Not, however, until the sentry had loaded his rifle and fired, but without any effect. Spring Hill Jack, as he has been ter- uh, termed, in camp, then paid a similar visit to the sentry on duty near the cemetery, who also fired, but alas, without hitting the object at which he aimed. What or who the individual who is thus amusing himself might be, we do not know, but such little bits of fun might be carried just too far. An enjoyment of this kind had better be discontinued before one of the nocturnal pranks leads to unpleasant results. Yeah, we know what those are. We've been like getting shot in the face. Getting shot in the face, absolutely. And then the guy who thought he shot a ghost all of a sudden now is a murderer. It's like, mm-hmm. I... and as we established, killing someone because they're a ghost because you think they're a ghost is not going to get you off. Does not hold up. Does not hold up <laughs> to the court. No, 
<laughs> nope. No. Yep. The only thing that might work in this sentry's favor is the fact that it's a military base and this man is clearly trespassing. So that would probably work in his favor. Yeah, he might be okay. Because the guy sh- didn't identify himself. Exactly. He's yeah right. on guard. Right. And when someone yells, "Who goes there?" and all the guy gets back is "boo," it's like, "Oh fuck this!" Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So maybe someone snuck onto the base with a Jack costume, or perhaps Jack himself continued his assaults. Now, eventually, it appeared Jack had grown tired of even the base. That is until he returned to climb sentry towers and slap the sentinels in the face and jump away. <laughs> classic. <laughs> classic Jack. Yeah. It's like, what's up? Bam. Yep. <laughs> Later, bitch. What? Yeah. I just got slapped by Jack. Yeah, I got Jack slapped. Okay. Sure, dude. The, the next night, the sentry doesn't believe that sentry. He gets slapped. He's like, oh, shit, it happened to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, oh well, well, okay. Okay, fair enough. Got me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He golf claps says after being slapped, like, well done. <laughs> yeah. Touche. Okay. Fair enough. Now, I mean, we're musing about it, but this was probably one of his most favorite things to do. <laughs> it sounds fun. It sounds really I'd get fun. a kick out of it. It sounds real fun. Now, now Illustrated Police News told a story of a man dressed in white, I think it's in white, who leapt 15 to 20 feet up to the windowsills of a college building in order to harass the girls inside. Allegedly wearing sheepskin and a tail, that's right, that's why the description was a little weird up there when I was reading that, because he's this is a little too atypical. Huh. This isn't quite the typical Jack look we're, we're you know, used to. Uh-huh. He decided to cover his shelf in sheepskin with a tail and jump up into the windowsills of college girl dorms rooms now okay this leaping peeping tom had been shot by police but either due to his supernatural nature or thick sheepskin covering the bullets did nothing to him maybe he's wearing armor underneath it i don't know could be many strange stories and mysterious figures were also attributed to jack i mean again there's just ghosts all over the place mm-hmm the last appearance of Jack, sadly, was in 1904 and can be summed up pretty uh, simply, fairly simply. Okay. A crowd gathered around as a man jumped ridiculous lengths down a village street and then lunged over a house not to be seen again. So who knows what he was up to? He was like escaping something maybe or just running away. Just slapped somebody and they didn't report <laughs> yes. it because they were just like, ah, oh, he got me. Yes, this sounds Got like me a, again. Exactly. This sounds like a post-slap story. Like, oh, Jack's out of the way. He's done his thing. Yeah. Too bad there's not, like, tales of mm-hmm. him just cackling. Because I figured that's what... I'm not saying that's what I would do with spring Hill Jack. I'm just saying. <laughs> boing, right. boing. So then that begs the question. Was Jack... I said it was the last sighting of Jack in 1904. But was Jack truly gone? I mean, it depends on what you mean by gone. He first jumped onto the scene in 1837 and was last spotted around 1904. And that's a long time to live. It's a good run. Yeah, exactly. A long time to run in the public sphere. He -hmm. inspired artists and writers all throughout that period and proved to be a cultural phenomenon all throughout the Victorian era. Sometimes referred to as the Victorian boogeyman, parents would use him to scare their children, again, like a 
you do with the boogeyman and convince them to act appropriately. Or maybe Jack would get yeah. you. He's, or Jack's going to slap you. <laughs> yeah, 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 Jack's going to slap the shit out of you, kid. <laughs> you Jack slapped. Yeah. Or when your kid's not looking, you slap him in the face. So he doesn't, it's like, Jack, would you, did you, Jack just hopped away. <laughs> I feel that would scar this child for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps getting slapped with a supernatural jumping bean. Uh-huh. Probably not the best thing to do. Next time, do your chores or Jack's going to get you again. <laughs> okay, Jesus, <laughs> all right. <laughs> His stories lived in pamphlets and Penny Dreadfuls, and while initially utilized as a villain, what I did not do was I did not look up a bunch of Penny Dreadful Jack stories, but I do mean to do that eventually if I have the time and remember to do so, because I'm sure they're a lot of fun. Probably. And while initially utilized as a villain, by the turn of the 20th century, some stories used him as a force for good. Maybe Jack did a face turn. And it's yeah. not ro- started slapping the bad guys when vigilante. Exactly, and it's not wrong to consider him a precursor to the superheroes that were just around the corner. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not saying he inspired Batman, but have you Googled images of Springfield Jack yet, by chance? Oh, I did. Yeah. I mean, you know, tell me there isn't a lineage of design there. I mean, right? Yeah. You, I mean, like the whole jacket that throws open, like. Cape. Absolutely. Yeah. The face is covered. Yep. Uh, Scary. In the dark. Right. And then he's gone. Armor. And sometimes a helmet. Maybe some. And they incorporate the devil. Bat ears, horns. I mean, that's very simple. I mean. Yeah. Mm hmm. It's all there. But I mean, we can't forget Jack's roots. An iron clawed, armor wearing, cloaked. Sometimes helmeted, blue, fire-breathing, leaping Victorian monster man who preyed on teenage girls and young women. He may have actually been a gang of aristocrats tormenting the common folk because they fear no repercussions from the authorities due to their status and noble blood, which, well, not exactly like a billionaire who dresses up in a bat suit to fight crime. It's not dissimilar. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little flip side of that, but I mean, you get it. You get the idea there. Yep. There are stories of leaping monsters from all over the world in many different cultures. One day we may address them all. But that is not the story we're telling today. The story I gave you today, of course, is the story of Springheel Jack. Super old natural monster, mm-hmm. gang of rich punks, either or, both, all. I mean, it's pretty terrifying to just think about a world where a demonic monster is running around slapping people. And he becomes such a phenomenon, people start dressing up like him, like he's their hero, and start going around committing similar acts and committing assault. This sounds like hell, really. This sounds like a bad problem for the police and anyone who wants to live a normal (laughs) life. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Right? It doesn't sound like a good thing. It really doesn't. Especially if he's spewing fire on people. No, he's got fire powers. He can th- he's, mm-hmm. he sends every woman he attacks basically into fits, and then she becomes a burden to her family. That like affects the lives of like eight people. Oh my god. Yep. Ah, so Springhill Jack, uh, to Victorian Bugaboo from Suburban Ghost by Mike Dash. That was an article I found online. There's a lot of sources for that one, but that was a um a good had some of those old like old news clippings that we're a huge fan of. So. That was a good one. 
Good. Then, uh, again, thanks to Ryan Grossclaw for bringing Spring Hill Jack to my attention. Hopefully, I uncovered things that did him justice because I don't know about you, but he's quite a thing. He's quite a character. He's pretty cool. Yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty nice. I like that. I like that he seems to like slapping people a lot. Yeah, it's very. It's a very endearing quality. I don't know. Maybe they needed to be slapped. You know, I don't know. Who might a judge? Maybe we're not getting the whole picture. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe maybe history forgot about, you know, how I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what no, she could have done to deserve getting slapped. I was, but I mean, make it up. But she did something. Maybe she did. And then Spring Hill Jack just shows up and he's like, <laughs> "Here you go. The, I'm out." What the fuck? <laughs> he, Peace. He runs away. <laughs> he just jumps over the building. As he hops, he's like, "Justice? <clears throat> what? Justice?" Yeah. Just, justice, you just showed up and slapped yeah, how is that me. Justice. Think about it. What? Spring Hill Jack, you're a shitty Batman. He doesn't even exist yet. This sucks. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Spring Hill Jack's cool. That's pretty neat. I mean, a black coat with white lining on the inside. Man, am I gonna have to look for a cool jacket like that and just be a ghost? Yeah. I mean you could probably get away with it for a while. I'm sure. Nobody's out right now anyway, so... That's true, and I could just, you know, wear a, wear a mask <laughs> these days. It's all the, you know, it's standard protocol yeah. these days. Wear a cool yeah. mask. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's bad enough I was looking at, like, dinosaur, like, cool masks, and then it's, like, 20 bucks. I'm like, am I paying 20 bucks? Like, it's like buying a shirt. I'm buying a mask with dinosaurs on it <laughs> just because it looks cool uh-huh. because, like, oh, I'm probably going to be wearing these for, for a couple more times. I don't want to get into that. That's fine. Spring <laughs> Jack, hey, hey, hey. The, yeah, for three or four. Uh, yeah. Just what? We don't know. Just, I don't know. I mean, for <laughs> three or four, though. Yeah. Maybe. Well, you know, scientists, I mean, you know, maybe, you know, people behave themselves. Never mind. I'm not going to. I don't want to talk about how long it's going to be. It's fine. <laughs> it's, yeah. But spring Jack, I don't know, man. He's a great. He's, maybe he'll come back. Yeah. Maybe he's back out there jumping around. Oh, shit. Slapping punks. Yeah, I wish Spring Hill Jack would come back and just slap people who don't wear their masks. That'd be a good... Jack, there's some justice, man. If you're listening to this podcast. Just put your mask on. What the fuck? Was that a monster? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. He had a mask on. And he's like, you're the real monster. Like, oh, Jack, that cuts. He's like, wear a mask. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Spring Hill Jack becomes the, the Smokey the Bear of the coronavirus. Only you can prevent the spread of coronavirus and Spring Hill Jack looking all scary. Yeah. Leaping over buildings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a master at social distancing. He's hops fucking. He is. He is. Until he tried to come into that one girl's house, but. Well, yeah, that was, yeah, he was, I mean, that's real. It's hard to talk about Jack being cool because that was a horrendous attack that someone may have committed on an actual yeah. <laughs> It's real bad. It's real yeah. bad. Yeah. Fucking monster man. It's bad. Breathes fire. Not good for PR. No, Spring really Hill Jack. Not Jack. And then again, then he somehow gets retconned into becoming like a hero. Is he a villain? Is he a hero? Is he an anti-hero? Who is Spring Hill Jack? Who is Spring Hill Jack? Right. Mm-hmm. Could title the episode that when it should just be called Spring Hill Jack. Who is Spring Hill Jack? Who is he? Huh. Yeah. yeah. Who is he? Yeah, well. Hmm. So find out. Well, yeah, yeah, so that was, yeah. 
Well, season three is well underway. Give you a little taste of spring. Oh, yeah. Day, right? Getting excited. Getting pumped. Yep. If you're also pumped, plenty of ways to, uh, you know, support the show or leave us comments. You know, we got the uh, the Patreon. A lot of things happening on there. Check that bad boy out. But if you want to email us any monster mm-hmm. stories or if you've seen Spring Hill Jack slapping people in the face, we're in for your podcast at gmail.com, Instagram, Facebook, all over the place. And as you can clearly tell, we've had a battle royal tournament. We're back to the stories. So get ready for all of our crazy, crazy discussions about these mysterious monsters. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And everybody just just sit back and breathe. Just sit back and enjoy enjoy life right now, guys. That's all I have to say. That's all I'm going to say on that. Mm-hmm. And stay spooky. Stay spooky.